Glory. Turn with us to our scripture again this evening, the 103rd Psalm. And then we're also going tonight to Luke chapter 6. Now we begin, I believe this is our 10th lesson on this, number 10 tonight, on the topic of the works and the ways of Jesus. This coincides with our reading of the New Testament because, of course, we've been reading Matthew, Mark, now Luke, and we're seeing Jesus. And we want to see how he operates and learn his ways and see them through his works. And our text from Psalm 103, verse 7, talks about that. Psalm 103, verse 7, said, He, God, made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. If you read in the Old Testament, you'll find out that the Israelites that first came out of Egyptian bondage, that first generation, though they saw miracle after miracle after miracle, uh, the Lord became, uh, for lack of a better word, exasperated with them. And angry with them because no matter what he tried to tell them or show them or how many multiple times, they did not learn his ways. Well, you know, for one thing, let's just say it like this. How many know Hebrews 11 talks about without faith? It's impossible to please God. He's a faith God. You've got to learn his ways. You can't make him operate like you want him to operate. You have to operate in faith or else you're not going to work with him. Right? And if you don't know he's a faith God, and you're not ready to operate that way, then you may see some of his acts, but you won't know his ways, and you'll be at a great disadvantage, and will just flounder around and not do the will of God for your life. How many want to know his ways? Amen. 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 Say it out loud, why don't you, Lord? Lord. Teach me me. your ways. ways. Reveal to me me. your ways. Amen. Amen. Expect it. And that's one thing that you should be doing when you're reading your scriptures. Your chapter every day. Uh, It wouldn't hurt you to pray it every day. Same thing over and over. Lord, show me your ways. Help me to see Jesus more clearly as I read today. Well, we talked about a number of things. I won't go through all of it. But go to Luke, the sixth chapter now, please. And let's read in the 35th verse. Luke 6, verse 35. He said, love your enemies. That'll keep you busy. And do good. That'll keep you busy the rest of the time. Lend, hoping for nothing again. Your reward will be great. And you'll be the children of the highest. Is that you? Why don't you say that out loud? That's a good thing. Did you know that? Say it out loud. I am a child of the highest. Amen. You must be pretty special. And he said, for he is what? He is kind. Now get this, unto the unthankful and to the evil or to the wicked. He's kind to the unthankful. And to the evil. So he goes on to say, be merciful. As your father also is merciful. Now the things that came to my heart. 
in reading this today, reading this chapter just like you guys are doing, then I read it a second time, looking up different words later in the day. And I was reminded, we're talking about the works and the ways of Jesus. I was reminded as I read this about how much trouble Jesus had with the religious leaders of his day. Didn't he? I mean, he just did not get along very good with them. Or them with him. Is that right? Let's just remind ourselves in the first part here. He and his disciples, you remember, came through the field and uh, they picked some corn and they're eating some. And the Pharisees got upset about it. You know, there's a lot of people always tending to other folks' business instead of their own. They always got an idea, opinion about what somebody else is doing or should be doing. It's amazing how many people have tried to tell me what to do. And they've never done it, but they know exactly how I should do it. Maybe never built anything, not even a chicken coop. But they know exactly what you're doing wrong. You know, there are numerous times that they told Jesus, you can't have healing on the Sabbath day. Uh Uh-uh, no, 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 that's wrong. Well, when was their healing day? (laughs) What day did they have healing services? Never. And yet they're going to tell him when he can't do it. You'll find this kind of thing. The Pharisees are very much still with us. So are the Sadducees. And the ungodly purveyors of tradition of men. And doctors of this and that. And a form of godliness. But denying the power and don't know God. I mean, you can know Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic and Chaldean and quote scripture numbers backwards and forwards and not know God at all. And Jesus had a lot of trouble with these folks. I mean, it's a few verses later. You remember the man that had the hand that was withered. In the same situation like we just got through describing. They were set primed to jump on him and accuse him for healing this man and he hadn't even done it yet they had more faith than a lot of Christians for they did they figure sick man in the room Jesus in the room he's going to heal him just watch (laughs) they didn't even believe in Jesus but they believed in his mercy amen and they believed in his healing ministry and so the man was healed. Jesus, you know, he, by the spirit, he knew what was going on with them. And verse nine, he said, let me ask you something. Is it lawful on the Sabbath day to do good or to do evil, to save life or destroy it? And he told the man, stretch forth your hand. He did so, and his hand was restored whole as the other. And they were filled with thankfulness and praised God for the man's healing. Should have been. Hmm? You'll find this. People's hearts that are not right, even though they may be churchgoers, they may be scripture quoters, Bible toters. They're argumentative, nitpickers, want to fuss about stuff. 
I mean, that's one reason we're focusing on praising God for what he's done for people. I'm not going to try to find out and see if you made a wrong confession. Or if you did something a little different than what you could have done. We're all learning. None of us know it all. When God's done something for us, we're not going to emphasize any negatives. We're going to emphasize the positives. Think about this. I've had people just try to correct me. And say, well, you know. Well, let me just tell you this story. And it'll, it'll explain what I'm talking about. I was having my hair cut one time. And the lady was cutting my hair, knew this is, man, this must have been 30 years ago. Lady was cutting my hair, knew I was a student of the Bible. And so, uh, uh, she asked me, she said, uh, I got a question for you. And I said, well, ask on, I may not know. Like a friend of mine says, one time a bunch of us ministers were out and he looked at us, he said, I can answer any question. Just ask me. He said, huh? He said, often my answer is, I don't know, <laughs> but I can answer any question. <laughs> That's, That's kind of what I told her. I may not know, but if I do, she said somebody came, a friend of hers, it was kind of a, a, a spring day after the winter time, one of the first days that it had been warmer and the birds were singing and the grass was coming out and the friend of hers was kind of. He's skipping almost down the sidewalk, glad to be outside, feeling good and happy, and met a preacher and ruined her day. <laughs> Hi, brother so-and-so, she said. He said, Hi, sister. She said, Isn't it wonderful? Isn't it glorious? Everything's so good? He said, Well, not everywhere. <laughs> and uh, she said, Well, yeah, I'm sure there's some problems. And other He said, There's a lot of problems. He said, there's people dying and going to hell today. And it's not something to rejoice about. She said, well, I really wasn't thinking about that. He said, that's what's wrong with the church. People don't think about this. And before he got through talking to her, she's sad too and feels guilty almost for rejoicing because she's not carrying the weight of the world on her shoulders. And finally the lady said, is that right? Well, I didn't want to say anything negative about this minister, but I'll tell you boldly, no. (laughs) It ain't right at all. Not even remotely. Let me give you an example. According to the scripture. Let's say we're having a service. Let's say there's 30 people in a larger room that's not saved in a big crowd. 30 Let's say the message is preached. The invitation is given. And two people come and get saved. And 28 leave lost. Do the angels cry over the 28 that didn't come? Then why should you? You know more than they do? You know more about it? You... You're more responsible than God's angels are and God heaven is. No, no. Just people are confused and ignorant. It is not going to help anybody get saved by you being depressed. There are a lot of people who are not Christians because they have relatives who are. And they think 
man, if being a Christian is being like ain't many or Uncle Joe, then forget it. Forget it. They got no victory. They got no joy. Got no peace. Always condemned about this or condemned about that. And it's not right. I said it's not right. Somebody said, what do you do? You do everything you know. To obey God, you do what he tells you to do, and then you cast the rest of the care of it over on him, and you enjoy your salvation, because you are not the Savior. Amen. You trying to carry the weight of the world on your shoulders is actually spiritual pride. You're trying to act like you're big enough to carry it, and you ain't. He's the Savior. Amen. Amen. What am I responsible to do? You're responsible to do what he deals with you to do. That's what you're responsible. And once you've done that, like I said, be a good witness then to everybody. Have joy about yourself. Be free. You notice these guys are not happy. These Pharisees fussing at Jesus. They're not enjoying the service. They're not having any fun. Are they? But now how did Jesus deal with this? We're talking about his ways. Well, he gives us the response and the way to deal with it in the latter part of the chapter. In verse 27, Jesus said, I say to you, do what? Love Love your enemies. Yeah, but they hate you. Well, love them back. How you do that? By faith. Got nothing to do with how you feel about them. Here's another thing people are confused about. They think if you're walking in love, then you have these wonderful feelings. (laughs) Oh, I, I love you. And you just feel so wonderful. No, no, listen. You're walking in love the strongest when you feel like slapping somebody. You feel like giving them a piece of your mind, but, but, but you don't. You smile and you pray for them and you send them an offering. Hmm? That's walking in love. That's walking in love. It's not about feelings. It's a decision you make on the inside. You know what is the right thing to do. You know what is the Christ thing, the God thing to do. And you do it no matter how you feel. And you can. I said you can. You can catch yourself in mid-sentence. You say, let me tell you something. I want you to know it. God loves you. And I do too. And I'm going to go pray for you. Somewhere else. (laughs) You can catch yourself in mid-sentence. Got nothing to do with how you feel. It's just what you know is right. What you know is God. What you know is love. Catch yourself. Say and do the right thing. Walking in love is not based on feeling. He loves your enemies. When people hate you, what do you do? Love. It goes on to say, do good to them. Yeah. yeah, but that rascal hurt me. Well, then do him some good. Mm-hmm. Can you do it? Yes. Will your flesh want to do it? No. no. <laughs> but can you do it? Yeah. Yes, you can. Should you? Yes. It is the way that does not fail that cannot fail. Them that curse you, what do you do? 
A lot of folk read that, they think he's talking about cussing. No, not cussing. Curse. People that speak evil against you and they speak, hope you do bad, hope you fail. You know, there's people that like to see ministers like us fail. They would. It'd just make them happy. If we went belly up, we're going to keep them waiting a long, long time. Uh, People who curse you and speak evil, what do you do for them? Bless them. Say, well, I want to see you do good. I hope you do good. This is somebody that's spoken evil of you. And here's the key. Mean it. Amen. No matter what anybody's done to you, you don't want to see them go down, do you? You don't want to see them destroyed. I had a fellow one time. Took it upon himself. To go to a huge place. Where thousands of people were going in and out. uh, Ministers and Christians. And flagged every car he could get flagged down. And told them that he knew for a fact. That Keith Moore was having an affair. With a certain woman. And doing all these things. Told everybody he could. (laughs) And I wasn't. It got to my wife. She laughed. (laughs) She said, well, if he is, I feel sorry for her. (laughs) Because she's not getting much time with him. (laughs) Because I was speaking sometimes three and four and five times a day. And doing all kind of other stuff. But when I heard that. I prayed for him because I was concerned about him because the scripture tells me God has told me he is my defense and if people hurt me he takes it personally and if they won't repent they'll be judged and I knew that one of the worst things that could have ever happened to him is if he convinced somebody of this and they turned against me and he did have some effect then he's going to be responsible for that. You know, that's, I did pray for him. And you know, he came to me about a month or two later and cried and repented. He did. That did take some bigness to do that. And I said, brother, why'd you tell that? He said, I knew it wasn't right. He said, I was just jealous. Just made it up. (laughs) Well, I forgave him and forgot about it. But what do you do if somebody curses you? They try to hurt you. They tell stuff on you. What should you do in retaliation? Bless them. Bless them. Here's another reason why you want to bless them. You don't want to reap curses. You want to reap blessings so you better be a sowing blessings. You want to reap mercy so you ought to sow some mercy right now. Amen. Next time you feel like you're all justified and got a right to be mad at somebody or hold a grudge at them, realize here is an opportunity for me to sow some grace and mercy so when I need it at some time, I can reap it. Let's keep reading. And to him that smites you on one cheek, offer the other. Him that takes away your cloak, forbid him not to take your coat. One translation says, if he takes your outer clothes, don't. Forbid him to take your underclothes. <laughs> Woo. <laughs> well, you can still praise God, can't you? Somebody said, man, they took him to the cleaners, buddy. I mean, they, they, cleaned, they took his underwear. Well, 
We know where we can get some more. Amen. Amen. God is faithful. He's our defense. And we know where that came from. And there's a lot more where that came from. And as you would that men should do to you, do you also to them likewise. Now, turn with me to Mark, the 15th chapter, real quickly. Mark chapter 15. Oh, no, excuse me. I didn't read this verse. Go back to Luke. I didn't read this verse. In Luke 6, 11, when this man was healed, Luke 6, 11, it says they were filled with madness or rage and they communed with one another what they might do to Jesus. They want to hurt him. Now, you know, that's devilish, don't you? Why do they want to hurt him? Because the man got healed? They want to hurt him. One translation says, they were filled with stupid rage. <laughs> stupid. The, a dictionary says, stupid rage. Now what I'm going to touch on tonight are some real practical things that you can operate in day to day. Have you ever really been aggravated at somebody maybe been in some stupid rage don't raise your hand we don't want any testimonies on this right now but you just I mean you just you got mad at them you got too mad at them oh man I mean they rubbed you the wrong way we're going to talk about why that can be and what to do about it How to respond and operate. In Mark, you were turning there. Mark 15, look there real quickly. And verse 10, Mark 15, 10. It says, he knew, Pilate knew, that the chief priest had delivered Jesus up. Why? For envy. Now here's the thing. They made it a doctrine issue. They said, we don't believe in what he preaches. They said, we, you know, he's leading the people astray. He's teaching error. He's healing on the wrong day. He's breaking the commandments of God. One group started saying, he has devils. And they finally got to the place where they could not stand hearing him or seeing him. They wanted him dead. And they killed him. And here the Bible reveals it wasn't doctrinal differences. How many understand they don't even make sense you want to kill somebody over a doctrinal difference? What was it that was pushing them and motivating them? It wasn't their quest for doctrinal purity. It wasn't them trying to be so righteous and correct. It was envy. Envy. That's what was driving them. Envy. Some of the ugliest stuff you will ever see in this life. It is some of the very nature of the evil one himself. Envy. We've all had a taste of it sometime in your life. But it's some ugly stuff. It'll cripple you. It'll rob you. It'll blind you. It'll deceive you. 
It can cut you off. These people were so blind, they didn't even see the plan of God unfolding before their eyes. They didn't see this is the answer to their, all their prayers. This is the fulfillment of all the prophecies they claim they believe. They're up quoting scripture every Sabbath day and up propounding. And here is the fulfillment of scripture, the word in the flesh, and didn't even recognize him. In John, the high priest said, you know, if we don't do something with this man... The Romans will come and take away our place. Insecurity. Envy and fear. Envy and insecurity. That's why they argued with him all the time. That's why if he said it was white, they said it was black. If he said it was okay, they said it wasn't. That's why he was constantly having friction with them. It wasn't about all the things they said it was about. It was about their envying him. Being afraid of him. That he was going to take their place. And it's my job to warn you. And prepare you. That if you lay hold of this word. Like we preach and we believe. And you're all of us hooking up together on some vision. You're going to grow. You're going to increase. You're going to see mighty answers to prayer. You're going to be blessed. You're going to prosper. And you're going to be envied. I wish I could tell you it wasn't so. But there's going to be some folk. Who don't like it. And even some of your friends. That you thought were your friends. I mean just take this. You ever seen somebody. I know a friend of mine a while back. She was quite a bit overweight. And she managed through a number of things. To lose some 50 something pounds. And just was trim. And looked good. And was in good shape. Over the course of the weeks though. Her friends just. Had less and less to do with her. And over a period of months, she's like <laughs> calling them and, well, I don't ever see you anymore. And they're talking behind her back. Boy, she thinks she's something now, them new little clothes and, and this and that. And they should have been saying, How'd you do it? Right. Help us, Amen. right? Amen. But so much human nature is not that way. You know, if somebody excels you in some area, somebody gets above you, they have more success in some way or some, there's two ways you're going to respond. One of two ways. You'll either rejoice and be glad or you'll be aggravated and envious. And it's determined by if you love them or not. If you love them, you can't help but be glad. Right, because right, you want the best for them. But if you love you more than anybody else, then if it didn't happen for you, it ain't okay. So you'll find fault. And people are, you know, they're not honest enough so many times and humble enough to just admit it. I'm envious. I got a problem. They won't say that. So they're going to try to make it out to something. It's a wrong day. You're healing on the wrong day. This ain't right. <laughs> had nothing to do with any of that. Go with me please to the book of James. James. The third chapter. Why don't you say it out loud while you're turning over there. Envy. Has no place in me. I refuse. To give any place 
to envy. I'm glad when my brother's blessed. I'm happy. I rejoice when my sister gets blessed. Somebody passes me. More power to them. Hope they get twice as much. Amen. In chapter 3, James 3, verse 13. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descends not from above, it's earthly, it's sensual, it's devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. Envying and strife is some of the worst stuff you'll ever encounter. The Lord said this to me some years ago, I don't mean I heard an audible voice, but inside my spirit one day, He said, strife is the manifest presence of the devil. And by contrast, peace is the manifest presence of God. Don't take my word for that. Look that up. See if that's right. You'll find God is called the God of peace. And he's not the author of confusion, 1 Corinthians talked about, but of peace. Of peace. You know, that's something that we have just decided in the ministry, in the church, in the staff, we are absolutely not going to have strife. Either the strife goes or the people who won't let it go, go. But the strife cannot stay. Because it's like letting the enemy have a party at your house. Letting him manifest himself in your stuff. And I'm telling you, it hinders, it opens the door for the enemy to do stuff in your life. I know I was ministering some healing meetings some years ago, and the service was over. I was walking out the building, going to my car, and a young mother came, a little bitty baby in her arms, and I knew her. She had been there before, and she's just crying profusely, and the little baby looks sick. She said, Brother Keith, would you pray for the baby? And I looked at the baby, and it looks like it's got a fever, it's crying, it's unhappy, you can tell it don't feel good. And I reached to put my hand over on its little head, and it's just hot, you can tell, it's sick. I started to pray. And as I did, the Lord checked me, don't pray. Don't pray. Well, I knew enough to just obey, I just backed off, and, and about that time I got a word of knowledge, I understood. I looked at her, I said, uh, sister, I said, uh, you and your husband been having a lot of trouble, a lot of problems. Oh, man, she started crying like you'd slapped her or something. She just crying profusely. She said, oh, Brother Keith, we've been fighting. It's been awful. I said, well, I said, you've opened the door in your house. This atmosphere of strife and hate in your house is an open door. I know in my spirit I could pray over this child and she'd be better, but as soon as you take her back home, back into this stuff, it's going to happen the same way. It's going to be right there again. Now, if you don't know whether you believe that or not, don't turn that loose till you get that settled. First Peter 3 talks about husbands and wives treating each other right so that their prayers won't be hindered. 
There's no such thing as fussing and fighting all the time at home and your faith working, staying healthy, prospering like you're supposed to, getting all your prayers answered. So I told her, I said, sister, I said, for the sake of your baby, if nothing else, you and your man, your husband, y'all sit down tonight. I don't care what it takes. Get it fixed. Get it worked out. Get it settled and close the door and get peace in your house. How many know that your house is supposed to be full of peace? Your car is supposed to be full of peace. Your place of business. The church is supposed to be peace there. Amen. He goes on to say in verse 16, where envying and strife is, there's confusion and there's every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure and then it's what? Peaceable. It's gentle. It's easy to be entreated. It's full of mercy, good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. Peace is the manifest presence of God. Have you ever sensed the presence of God real strong? There are times when the presence of God is really strong. And sometimes you just want to kind of slide down in your chair and go, oh, glory. Not confusion, not strife, not upset. Peace. Everybody say peace. Peace. Make up your mind. No strife in my house. No strife in my place. Envying and strife. Now let me back up a little bit. Let's try to finish this up in a few minutes. I said, have you ever been upset with somebody? Ever been mad? You ever had a strong discussion? That went on into the hours of the night. Have you ever noticed you get real motivated in these discussions with somebody and thoughts come to you? You didn't even think them up. Thoughts come to you. You remember stuff they did wrong 20 years ago in vivid detail. And you just, I mean, you're just talking and talking. It's like you're inspired. (laughs) Quick as you can spit it out, it's just coming to you, coming to you. You are inspired. And it ain't God. You're yielding to the enemy. Just saying everything he brings across your mind. Being a mouthpiece for the devil. You don't want that. I said, you don't want that. Let's talk about what to do. There are two big questions I want you to ask yourself the next time you get hot. The next time you get really upset with somebody. Two big questions. Number one question here, the first one we'll talk about is, are you the judge? We're here in, aren't we in James? James 4. James 4, verse 10. Humble yourselves in the sight of God and he'll lift you up. Speak not evil one of another, brothers. He that speaks evil of his brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law. But a judge. 
How many judges do we have in here? Are you a judge? Somebody's done something. It made you mad. Are you a judge? Do you have to judge what they did? Do you have to judge them? Hmm? Should you? Should you decree and tell everybody it ain't right? They're guilty. I judged them. It ain't right. You know, I've had people invite me out to lunch or something sometime and for the motive of grilling me about a certain situation. Did you hear about brother so-and-so? I heard some stuff. Don't know if it's true or not. I heard it. What do you think? I don't. Told a fellow one time, I don't. He said, oh, I know you do. No, I refuse to let myself. It's none of my business. Hmm? What do you think about it? I don't. I've decided not to. Hmm? How many of you can do that? Do you have to have an opinion about everybody? And you know what folk don't realize? So many times sharing your opinion about it is judging. Everybody knows you shouldn't judge. And yet folk are judging right and left. Because what they're not calling what they're doing judging and yet it is. Beware of sharing your opinion. Especially if it starts out with, I don't know why they did that. Dear Lord, why would anybody do that? I'd never do any, uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. You, ju- you just judged them and you counted yourself superior. And you just set yourself up for a fall. And when something comes up in the future, then you need grace to stand. You won't have it. Go to Romans 14. I know this is a little different tonight, but uh, I endeavor to do what I'm told. Yeah. Amen. Sometimes people like it. Sometimes they don't. <laughs> but I sleep good at night. Yeah. Romans 14. <laughs> Are you there? Him that is weak in the faith, receive ye. Romans 14.1. But not to doubtful disputations. You know, it's not your job to correct everybody, is it? It's not. There's no such thing as Holy Ghost policemen. Some people claim they got the gift of discernment. There really is no such thing. Discerning of spirits is mentioned in the scripture, but what folk call the gift of discernment so many times nothing in the world but the gift of fault finding. They can always see what's wrong with people, what's messed up about them. Their sinners got that gift. <laughs> What's a gift is when you have enough love and faith, you can look through all the bad and find some good. Now that's a gift. That's love. Amen. Amen. But fault finding. Let me keep reading. Verse 4. Who are you that judges another man's servant? Because when you're so hot with somebody, almost invariably, you are judging them. That ain't right. They got no right to do that. They shouldn't have said that. Why are you so hot? Why are you so hot? You need to make yourself sit down and go, now hold up, am I their judge? Is it for me to decide whether they're guilty or innocent? Is it for me to decide whether they should be punished or not? 
I'm not the judge. It's not in my hands. Let's leave it with the Lord. Amen. This will help you. I'm telling you, it'll help you. Next time you get hot, here's a question you ask. Am I a judge? Am I the judge? What's the answer? No, I am not the judge. It's not my job to judge them whether they did right or wrong, good or bad. They'll either repent and take care of it now or they'll answer before the Lord for it later. That's between them and God. I'm not going to hold it against them. It's between them and God. Not my job to straighten them out. I'm not a judge. Say it out loud. Say it again. One more time. I'm not a judge. I'm not the judge. I'm not a judge. What am I? I walk in love. I show mercy and grace. I don't call wrong right, but I don't judge either. Okay, here's question number two. You ready for it? You might like it better than that one. (laughs) And then again, you may not. Question number two, next time you get mad, next time you get hot, next time that there's strife on the horizon, are you already into it? Ask yourself this question. Am I a whiny baby? (laughs) A whiny baby. I got scripture for it. First Corinthians, third chapter. I'm trying to wind her up. I'm trying to close it. What's the first question? Am I a judge? What's the answer? You better not be because if you do, what will happen? You will be judged. And the scripture says, if you are a judge, I read it to you in James 4. You can see it also in Romans, the second chapter. If you are a judge, you are not a doer. People who judge others are hypocrites. It's a Bible fact. You know, somebody that's fussing and hollering about that somebody should be giving more of their money. Or maybe they should sell this and sell that and give to the gospel. Mark it down. They are not doing that themselves. One example of many. If you're a doer, you don't judge people. Because you know how many times you almost didn't do it. You know how many times you almost fell and didn't rise again. If you made it through and did something, you know what it is. It's like uh, sofa quarterbacks, armchair running backs. How I many know what I'm talking about? You sit there with your soda pop and your tater chips in your air conditioner, and you watch them miss that pass and go, oh, it was right there. It was in your hands, man. What is wrong with you? Anybody, any high school quarterback could have caught that pass. Well, now that's easy for you to say, laying up on the couch, drinking your Dr. Pepper, right? What you don't know is that this man is playing hurt. And the last time he jumped up and twisted to try to see the ball, pain went all the way down his side and he couldn't even see straight. And then he's got sweat in his eyes and the sun's in his eyes and he can't see it. And his hands, are, two fingers, have got fractures in them. How many understand what I'm saying? It's a different deal when you're doing it. Don't ever get on your high horse with somebody and say, why don't you just believe God? Quit messing with that. 
Why don't you just believe God? We know. These are the same people that when something goes wrong in their life, they're, Oh no, what's wrong? I'm a faith man. This is not supposed to be happening to me. Oh yeah, we see what a faith man you are. You're a whiny baby. And a judge. <laughs> Have you found your scripture? First Corinthians 3. If you don't like this message tonight, come back another time. It'll probably be a different message. (laughs) First Corinthians 3. Next time you get hot, next time you get upset, you ready to give somebody a piece of your mind just like you could afford to give some away. You're ready to tell them where to get off. Ask yourself the question. This will help you now. Ask yourself the question. Am I a judge? Is it my place to judge them or what they do? Am I the judge? Answer is no. Shut up and leave it alone. Leave it to the judge who knows the heart. Amen. Because you don't. And then secondly, (laughs) you're getting all worked up. Now, this works both ways. When people get offended, they usually get some of both. They usually get mad and hurt. Combination. Mad, hurt, hurt, mad. Makes them mad and then they go, oh, it hurt me so bad. Do you know, folks, that every time you see them, they're hurt about something? Somebody hurt him again. Man, it just uh, seemed like all the mean demons ganged up on them. (laughs) And you don't know why everybody's always picking on them. Is it really the fact or is it true that the scripture says that these same trials and temptations are happening to everybody. And they are common to man. Then that doesn't make them special. It just makes them whiny babies. First Corinthians 3. Now, if you've been a whiny baby, don't give it away. Just look straight ahead and go, yeah, Brother Keith, preach that. Yeah, these people need to hear this. Don't give it away. 3.1 says, I, brethren, oh, Lord. This is good. God's helping people tonight. It really is. It's good. The Apostle Paul said. He said, I I wanted to talk to you like spiritual folks, but I couldn't because you're a bunch of whiny babies. (laughs) He said, you're carnal and you're just babies in Christ. I fed you with milk. I couldn't give you any meat because you wasn't able to take it. And still now today, you're not able to take it because you are still carnal. Whiny babies. For whereas. Now how would you know somebody's whiny babies? Keep reading. For whereas there is among you what? What? Envying and what? And strife and divisions. Are you not carnal? And just walk like men. He's talking about like unsaved natural men. 
It is not a sign of spirituality. It is not a sign of extra spiritual sensitivity that you are easily hurt. A lot of people are confused about this. I've even heard people say, well, I just, my spirit is so sensitive to the things of God. It's easy to hurt me. No, no, you're just a baby. Got nothing to do with it. When you grow up, you get some thick skin. I said, when you grow up, you get some thick skin. And when you're really walking in love the way you can and you should, people will think you're naive. They'll think you're dumb. I've had people come to me before and say, Brother Keith, didn't you know that fellow got up and said that? Didn't you know he's talking about you? I said, no. <laughs> he likes me and I like him. They said, I don't think so. I said, <laughs> I said yeah, I knew it. But why lose my joy over it? I've had some ugly letters written to me. I won't read them and share them, will you? But (laughs) ugly letters. I've had people tell me, you are hurting the body of Christ. You should do the people a favor and get out of the ministry. Just stuff like that. And you know, it's interesting how the enemy knows just when you should receive one of these letters. It's a day when 102 other things didn't go right. And you're feeling stretched. And you're feeling tired and worn. And you get this letter. Because that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to catch you when you're tired, when you're weak, and try to hit you with something. And if you're always hollering, oh, that hurts so bad. How could they do that? They hurt me. And then hold a grudge. You know what if I was walking in to see you or something. And I come and open the door. And Mo's standing behind. And he just happens to be right there. And I just blast him in the nose. And bloody his nose. And he goes well. Why'd you do that to me? I was like I'm sorry Mo. I didn't know you were there. You hurt me. Yeah I know man I'm sorry. Here's a handkerchief. I didn't mean to do it. I'll pray for you. No you hurt me. Six months later, he won't talk to me. (laughs) Is that because you're more spiritually sensitive? No. No. Do you know? There's so many people. They've hurt. They've laid awake at night. They've cried. They've tossed. And the people who, who they feel hurt them so bad didn't even realize. Didn't even realize. They weren't trying to do anything. Maybe just maybe said some stuff they shouldn't have, but it wasn't even premeditated. And what if it was? I know some years ago I went over to some people's house. I was sitting down. Their little boy, he was about three or four years old. He come over here, brother key, brother key, look, look, look. And he held up his knee for me. He had had a big bicycle crash. And he really roughed up his knee. Took the skin off the top. Well, his mom, this happened, I don't know, days ago, a week ago or something. His mom had bandaged it up real nice, but he wants me to see. 
So he reaches and takes the band-aids and he just peels the whole thing off. And with it, all the healing that's happened over the last several days, you know what I'm talking about. And then he pulls it because he wants me to see how deep it is. And he opens it up. He said, look, oh man, look how deep it was. (laughs) And the Lord said, are you watching? He said, this is why Christians after 10, 20, 30, 50 years still are not healed. Of things that have happened in their life. They won't let it heal. You know what if you had an injury. 20 years ago. And you're telling us that it's still an open wound today. What would we say? Man something wrong with you. Right you should have been healed up by now. Let's get you to the doctor. I mean something ain't right. 20 years and that thing ain't healed yet. This ain't right. People say yeah but it. I got hurt so bad, Brother Keith, and, and, it, and it hurt me so deep, and, and you just don't know. And there are some, don't misunderstand me now, there are some things that can hurt you. But it is not okay for you to go year after year and decade after decade and not be healed. If you're not healed from what they did, to, I don't care what they did to you. Makes no difference what they did to you. If you're not healed after years, it's because you won't forgive And you won't let yourself be healed. And every time it starts to heal. You reopen the wound. You want to show somebody. And tell them about it. And you open it up. And show how bad it is. And how bad you hurt. And and you're starting from scratch again. What you got to do. Is you've got to forgive that person. And you got to ask the Lord. To pour in the oil and wine. And heal you. And you got to close that. And listen. Listen. You got to refuse. To talk about it. Refuse. I don't care who wants to ask you about it. No. It's healed. And if you'll do that and shut up about it and not talk about it and count it healed, it may not all, the feelings may not change in a few days or weeks, but if you'll just hold on to that, it'll get to the place where you can think about that and those feelings are not there anymore. You can, you can see that and it's not there. You're healed. But you don't know what they did. Do you know what God can do? Don't tell me that there's something so bad that God can't heal it. I don't believe that. I've had a few hours of my own. But I'm healed. I said I'm healed. I'm healed. So the next time. Strife is on the horizon. Everything seems like you're tempted to be offended. You're tempted to be hurt. Oh, you're feeling all kind of feelings of anger and stupid rage and all such stuff. What questions are you going to ask yourself? Help me out here. Am I a judge? What's the answer? No, I am not. What else? Am I a whiny baby? (laughs) What if somebody busted you in the nose? Huh? Can you be strong? Can you be a man of God? Can you be a woman of God? And wipe your nose and go, I know you didn't mean to do that. Uh, It's okay. It's all right. (laughs) Can you? Somebody said something. I've had people, you know, follow me down the hall and scream at me. I don't like you. I don't like you. I don't like what you preach. I don't like you. You know what I told them? I said, you don't know me. If you knew me, you'd like me. I think that made a matter. But when you let something, you take it to heart and you go, oh, it hurts so bad. Well, you can just be being a baby. Yeah. Yeah. Grow up. Amen. Everybody say grow up. Grow up. Be, strong. be strong. 
When something comes in that's real ugly and real negative, the first thing I do is I take it, I look it right square in the eye, and I say, is this true? Even if they meant it bad, even if they meant it ugly, I want to look at it square in the face. Is it true about me? If it is, it's time to repent and change. Even if they were trying to be mean, if it's true, it's true. If it ain't true, we file it in number 13. (laughs) We cast the care on the Lord. Amen. And act like mature Christians. Stand up on your feet, please. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Oh, praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.